Thanks for tuning in to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we chat with today's most successful and inspiring health leaders. Hey, I want to personally invite you to our first inaugural Healthcare Thinkathon. It's a conference at the Outcomes Rocket and the IU Center for Health Innovation and Implementation Sciences has teamed up on. We're going to put together silo-crushing practices just like we do here on the podcast, except it's going to be live. With inspiring keynotes and panelists to set the tone, we're conducting a meeting where you could be part of drafting the blueprint for the future of healthcare. That's right. You could be a founding member of this group of talented industry and practitioner leaders. Join me and 200 other inspiring health leaders for the first inaugural Healthcare Thinkathon. It's an event that you're not going to want to miss. And since there's only 200 tickets available, you're going to want to act soon. So how do you learn more? Just go to outcomesrocket.health/conference. For more details on how to attend, that's outcomesrocket.health conference, and you'll be able to get all the info that you need on this amazing healthcare thinkathon. That's outcomesrocket.health conference. Welcome back once again to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we chat with today's most successful and inspiring health leaders. I really thank you for tuning in again, and I welcome you to go to outcomesrocket.health slash reviews, where you could rate and review today's podcast, because we have an amazing guest and an outstanding contributor to healthcare. His name is Edward Clubhouse. He's the investment director at M Ventures. In fact, he, out of the four business units that they have there, he is the investment director for new businesses. And so with that, his responsibilities involve identifying key leaders, key talents, key systems to help them elevate technologies that will help improve outcomes worldwide. He's also a board member at several different companies, including BioLink, Williot, Metasafe, Achille and others, but I wanted to just give you a sneak peek into what he's doing and also just help you understand a little bit more about what Edward's up to by opening up the mic to him. So Edward, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thanks, Saul. Thanks. Great to be here. It's a pleasure. Oh, and the one thing that I did forget to mention is that Edward is in the fantastic country of the Netherlands. My heart, I left a piece of my heart in the Netherlands, did some studies there. And Edward, one of the most innovative countries in medicine overall, I believe. Yeah, it's a small country. It's a rainy country, but I agree. I mean, it's, uh, it's not a bad country to be in. <laughs> very humble, very humble. Anything no, that I, I missed just, in that intro? Not at all, not at all. I was just going to say, maybe indeed for clarification purposes, the new businesses team indeed within M Ventures, we are actually not affiliated with one of the business units of Merck. Basically, we are affiliated sort of with the innovation side of things and scouting for all these blue sky opportunities. Basically, if it's, if it's crazy and if it's cool, then, then this is the team you want to be with. I love it. Well, on the Outcomes Rocket, Edward, the listeners love crazy and cool, and they're in for some really good stuff. So excited to dive into some of the, the topics that we're going to cover today. But before we get started, I want to ask you, what got you into the medical sector to begin with? That's a very good question. And, and, and the answer is probably going to sound a little bit um, like a do-goody. I just like <laughs> the fact that we can, ultimately, our product will, will further outcomes and, and, and hopefully make humans live longer, make humans live better. And of course, we want to make money along the way with our investments. But for me personally, having a product that just does something good is very important. Totally agree. You know, it's doing the right thing and uh, getting rewarded for it. So you guys work with a lot of companies there, Edward. How many companies do you guys work with? In our portfolio, we currently have 35 active investments. We have about, since we started in 2009, 
probably done 45 investments in total. Amazing. So yeah, it's been accelerating quite a bit in the last few years. Amazing. So you're working with all these companies. You've got the finger on the pulse on, on different angles of healthcare. Out of all the things that you see, this, this should be very interesting. What do you think is a hot topic that needs to be on every medical leader's agenda today? Just speaking from my own agenda, technology-enabled healthcare. I'm a massive fan with the new businesses fund. We do quite a bit in digital health or as we coin it, technology-enabled healthcare. If we think of, of, of a world that is moving towards outcome-based payment, I mean, I know people have been saying this for the last 10 years, but just with, with, with the global health conundrum, aging population versus rising cost of healthcare, technology is definitely the, uh, the, the solution, we believe. And so anything that basically furthers that, be it by smarter decisions around, let's say, data-driven diagnostics, smarter patient management, different modalities to treat patients, all these things are a common theme for us. So technology-enabled healthcare is definitely um, one of the key areas, I would say, uh, to keep an eye on. And Edward, what a great topic. When you take a look at the different companies that are coming through the fund and who to pick, who not to pick, what do you find are some of the common challenges that the companies face with having a technology that's actually going to be adopted and scale? A common challenge. To really quantifiably be able to improve patient outcomes. In this sort of hybrid field where technology meets healthcare, there's a lot of wellness plays out there. There's a lot of really hardcore clinical plays out there. But in order to sort of circumvent those uh, Federal Trade Committee claims that went against Lumosity, for example, by saying you made claims that you really can't prove, we need to be able to prove the claims that we make. And that in the end will, will really be the sort of like proof of the pudding. Mm-hmm. And so that is oftentimes a challenge because as we know, the regulators at this point are, are literally drafting regulation. How are they going to handle neural networks? It's not like with, with a small molecule where the chemical entity is defined and we know exactly what we're pushing through a clinical trial. Here you have a diagnostic, for example, if you use a neural network to sort of like uh, create a classifier, that constantly changes. How will the, the regulators handle that? I mean, there's precedent, but it's still fairly uncharted territory. So. That is definitely a common challenge, how to handle and how to navigate that, that regulatory field to also get the claims proven in a correct way. Yeah, because at the end of the day, you can't just go out there, folks, and, and say that you're doing something. You're going to have to prove it, and you're going to have to have those clinical trials. You're going to have to have the evidence-based results that Edward is, is, is talking about. I think that's a really, really great point, Edward, that you know, oftentimes tech people that come into healthcare don't realize. So if you're a tech entrepreneur or even a a large company wanting to get into this business, uh, think about what Edward just shared with us. You've got to be able to prove your results. You can't just say that you have the results. And then you got to navigate the regulatory environment. So can you give us an example of of how your organization is creating results, Edward? And maybe you could use a company that you're working with and what they're doing to do that. I was hoping you, was go- you were going to ask me this. <laughs> this is a perfect, <laughs> a perfect setup. So exactly, I was going to use Akili as an example. I think these guys have executed at this point to, let's say, the highest standard that is, that is available in this industry. And this so, is Akili, right? Maybe so, a- so maybe you could give us a little That's bit right. on the background of Akili, and then we could dive in so the listeners know exactly where we're going with this. Akili is A-K-I-L-I, right? That's right. A-K-I-L-I, Akili Interactive Labs, um, based out of Boston and San Francisco. The company is essentially developing a digital therapeutic, and it should become the first fully standalone FDA-approved digital therapeutic. 
Wow. The way it's presented to patients is as a computer game. So it's an action video game. And the idea is that it targets cognition. And it modulates cognition, we have now proven in six different sets of patients, in a quantifiable manner. And so the first indication we're going for, for the label of a class 2 medical device, is in ADHD, pediatric ADHD. So the company basically set up the technology in a way that it could be tested in a number of feasibility studies. The technology is essentially, as I said, a computer game that creates a closed feedback loop between the game and the brain, and thereby provides a very powerful stimulus on a continuous basis through a multitasking intervention that creates neuroplasticity. So you could see this as, as, as learning on, on steroids. So by playing 20 minutes a day, we are able to upregulate cognition with this potential FDA-approved intervention. Now, the founding research was published on the cover of Nature in 2013 under the title Game Changer. And that, was sort of, that served as, as, as the founding research for this company. So after that, we deployed the technology in a number of other indications, going from a therapeutic to a potential disease management solution to a diagnostics device. And the initial indication that we're going for approval for now is a therapeutic targeting cognition in ADHD. And so what we've done here is a massive pivotal trial with 330 patients. It read out in December of last year, and it shattered the primary endpoint. Wow. And that was brilliant because this is unprecedented. This has never been done before. It's amazing. And um, it upregulated cognition. Now, the difference between this, for example, and something like Ritalin is that Ritalin subdues patients, like, let's say, across the board. So Johnny sits in his chair, but he doesn't really is Johnny anymore. Right. With a game like this, we see that, that Johnny is still Johnny, so he still might run around, but he's able to concentrate. And he's able to actually perform a task. In this case, it was TOVA. That is the test of variability of attention. That was one of the endpoints of the trial. That is super boring, but huh. he is able to actually perform this task and perform it in a significantly better manner than he was able to do before. Wow. So what this su suggests to us is that we are able to increase cognition in patients that are suffering from really impaired cognition. That's so amazing. So, okay, Edward, this is pretty awesome, right? I mean, and to be honest with you, this is one of the things that my wife and I talk about. I've got a son, he's one year old. We think about how Ritalin is being prescribed like it's candy on Halloween. And to hear that there's an alternative in video game form to help them, these kids, be able to concentrate better. I mean, I got to tell you, when you were telling me about this, I got goosebumps. I just kept getting goosebumps. <laughs> I have to tell you, I mean, I've been playing the game and it's going to be prescription only. But I've been playing the, the game that, that, that's under development, but also, let's say, the follow-on solutions. And it's really cool. Like, if people tell you it's a medical device, you think to yourself, is this really going to be a game? But this company is really built as a hybrid between a medical device company and an actual gaming studio. So there's the gaming development team that have been poached from all the best game developers, such as EA or IDOS. And so the game really feels good. It really plays well. And then it's supposed to do good for you as well. I mean, it's the best of both worlds. That's outstanding. Okay, fantastic. Listeners, if you want to learn a little bit more about this, the website is Achilles interactive.com. We'll post a link to that in the show notes here on, on Edward's podcast so that you could go and, and click on it because it is fascinating. They've got a super talented team over there and they're doing some pretty cool things. Edward, thanks for walking us through that. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, you're welcome. So that's a fantastic example of what you guys are up to. Can you share of a time when you guys made a mistake or had a setback and what you learned from that setback? Uh, yeah, I mean, in, in, in the whole game of venture capital, you're supposed to have setbacks, right? I mean, otherwise, I think yes. the, um, 
the doctrine is that you don't take enough risk. So yeah, we've had setbacks. Luckily, not so much in the digital realm yet. I will not name any companies because I don't think it's fair, but some of the learnings that we had is that there is, especially in the digital side of things, there's definitely a thing called the Silicon Valley effect. Yes. So oftentimes, if you think about the monetization of a product, if you think about how to monetize a service or a product, a lot of Silicon Valley-based companies aim to do this through, for example, larger corporates. Now, mm-hmm. then they're able to sign on the Ubers and the Facebooks of this world and maybe the YouTubes. And that's interesting and that works. But then if you go to a company in the Midwest, all of a sudden, there is a different risk appetite in those firms for whatever solution this particular company would be offering. And so we've seen a couple of times where, you know, these outstanding digital solutions were just too far left field for some of these more traditional firms. And then the growth curve just strands. So that's an example of, okay, you know what? You have this very limited monetization strategy. What else can you back that up by? Like, are you diversifying your monetization strategy? Right. And and maybe we use some, some heuristics for this internally. We like to think that, that for us, an ideal solution, ideal quote unquote, of course, I mean, there's different shades of gray, but an ideal solution, quote unquote, is something that would, for example, be able to be monetized through an entity with an economic interest in the offering. What I mean by that is something like a payer system, uh, yes. a pharma company that ultimately would drive this because there is either a cost saving or a revenue generating potential, but it's quantifiable. And then the second part of it is we like solutions that, for example, generate unique first party data but also provide stickiness. Mm-hmm. And the stickiness brings me to the third part because that stickiness is oftentimes is only achieved when there is a real improvement in the outcomes. So whatever the offering is, if it is like a pre-diabetes solution, for example, uh, targeting behavior change, then we need to see that actually change is, uh, or behavior is changed in, in, in certain populations. And thereby, for example, people who were obese will drop in their BMI, thereby going off the pre-diabetic scale and ultimately not becoming diabetic. And that longitudinal data oftentimes is missing or has not been achieved yet. And then the risk is if we invest, if we were to evaluate those companies, the risk is that you're investing in maybe a company with a a number of very good salespeople because the real proof of, let's say, the solution is in the putting of the renewals. Totally, totally. It goes back to the topic that we started talking about, right? The whole proving your outcomes. Right, yeah, absolutely. Very cool. No, that's a, that's a great call out, Edward. Let's take a look at the other side of, of the coin here. Tell me about one of the proudest leadership moments that you've experienced in this realm of investing in, in the medical field. That's actually an easy one. Again, I, I, won't, I won't call out the exact company, but what happened was we were leading an investment in a company. We're based in Amsterdam, and this was in, in a different time zone, so there's quite a, a difference. Co-leading an investment and uh, through serendipity, our, our co-lead, unfortunately, at the last minute, couldn't commit or couldn't step up. So we like to see ourselves as founder-friendly investors. We back teams and entrepreneurs, first and foremost. I mean, technologies are also important, of course, but it's mainly the people for us that really make or break a case. So we were able to basically say to the team, calm down, nothing is going on here. We will make sure that we get this deal done. We get the investment done. We opened up our network and we managed within two weeks to basically get the round filled out to the extent that it was yeah, something that was workable for everybody and the company's flourishing at the moment. That's awesome. So yeah, we, we like to think that that was definitely a success story. That's awesome. And Edward, it oftentimes seems that it's those times that almost not going to work out that you have to get creative and figure it out that those moments are the ones that become your proudest moments. Yeah, absolutely. And this is also another thing 
we place particular emphasis on sort of like having this M Ventures family, if you will, of, of all the companies and trying to get cross fertilization between the different technologies and entrepreneurs. And we find that it's especially these moments that really work well with making sure that there is ample attention for people's technologies, for people's wishes, and also for people's reward. Because in the end, we want to do repeat business with those people that have cooked up these brand new technologies. Yeah, for sure. I think that's smart. I think that's really smart. You guys are no doubt doing some really great things, Edward. Tell us a little bit about an exciting project or focus that you guys are working on today, if you can. Yeah, I can, definitely. <laughs> um, as I mentioned, I mean, the field of, of biomarkers and with that, let's say novel biomarkers is very, very exciting. Biomarkers traditionally have been, of course, fairly straightforward from molecular biomarkers to things like, uh, I don't know, even movement or sweat or whatever. But the fact that we are now on, on the brink of being able to use voice, for example, as a yes. biomarker, or with Achille, where we use cognitive patterns as a biomarker, or a company that actually I met today with that is using smell as a biomarker, but not just computerized, like actual mm. broken down olfaction to like the receptor level. Wow. Those things are very exciting because ultimately this could prove to be one of these cases where you could have something in the background of, let's say, you, you've been diagnosed, and now we need to know how you're coping with your drugs and with the state of your disease. You have your Alexa in the background in your room, and Alexa tracks whether you're doing well or not so well. And before you have an event which could have not been prevented before, we get prompted, or not we, but the caregiver gets prompted, and manage to prevent that. So if it comes to outcomes, we think that these things are, are definitely very interesting to sort of close the loop around the patient. That's pretty interesting, Edward. And, and uh, listeners, something to think about, right? This realm of biomarkers is changing. You know, it's no longer just samples that are taken from you in a test tube. This is expanding beyond what we all have traditionally thought about. So let's take these words from Edward and incorporate them into our day-to-day -day and just know that this realm is expanding and we're in a new age in, in technology, in healthcare. And so that's pretty exciting, Edward. Thank you for sharing that. And if you allow me to add to that, one of our portfolio companies, BioLink, is developing a microneedle-based sensor patch. So this is a patch. It looks cool. It doesn't look like a medical device. You jab it on your shoulder. The guys are coming from San Diego, so they put on their wetsuit. They go surfing with it. It sticks there for a week. And it basically senses throughout this week number of biomarkers continuously in your interstitial fluid, which is a proxy for blood. So in, in the first use case we're going after there is glucose. So you could think of instead of having to prick your finger with a finger stick or having to put a device on there like the Abbott Libre or the, the Dexcom device, which are still rather invasive, you now have a simple factory calibrated patch that you put on that senses continuously your trends and ultimately that gives insights that it could have never been given before. And this is something that we are very excited about. So it's not only the novel biomarkers, it's also the continuous biomarkers. So for the first time, we get this longitudinal data that we actually haven't been able to sort of gather before in our patients. So rather than stick yourself to get the sample of blood, it's a patch that monitors your glucose non-invasively? Yeah, that's right. And now I hear people thinking on the other end of this line, probably, that's been done before. <laughs> but the thing here is, yes, it has been done before, but not as easy as these guys, not factory calibrated. And not as good looking. I mean, the device just looks damn sexy. <laughs> is it comfortable? It is. It is. Absolutely. Very cool. Very cool. Another interesting company, folks. That one's at BioLink with a Q. B-I-O-L-I-N-Q dot M-E. Check them out. 
Edward, no doubt you guys are doing some cool things. We're getting close to the end here. This part of the podcast is where we do a lightning round. Let's pretend you and I are building a medical leadership course on what it takes to be successful in the business of healthcare, the ABCs of Edward. So I'd like to write out a syllabus. I've got four questions for you, followed by your favorite book and your favorite podcast. Are you ready? Oh, boy. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> All right. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? Prevention. Love it. Get it taken care of before it happens. What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? Not being able to execute. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? Keep getting young people and people coming in. We do that here as well, who kick the tires and question things and ask why the hell you do certain things. I love it. What's one area of focus that should drive everything in a health-focused organization? Again, execution. Just get shit done. And of course, there is always a focus on, don't get me wrong, don't go too fast, but don't get sidetracked either. Have an objective and, and go for it. Excellent. And what book would you recommend to the listeners? Okay, this is going to be controversial. And one of, one of my favorite <laughs> Bring books is, Bring it on, Edward. Is, is The Fountainhead. Now, I know what a lot of people think, oh my God, Ayn Rand, what is he saying? But the reason why is because it has a very, I think, interesting message. And that is that the, the only way to really drive progress is to do something that you yourself believe in. And if you translate that even a bit further, those who want to be successful have to really stand out of the crowd. Now, it's the incentive of the crowd to cut that person down to make the rest of them, again, having the ability because everybody who is then mediocre is then all of a sudden as successful as the rest and has the potential to be successful. My point of that is don't be afraid to be successful. Don't be afraid to be different. Don't be afraid to go into a direction and to fail. And that is something that ultimately drives and creates this change. What a great message, Edward. Listeners, do not be afraid. You got to stick to what you're doing. Be strong in your, in your efforts. I think that's such a great message, Edward. What podcast would you recommend? Of course, this one. How could I recommend another one? <laughs> thank you. Thank you. This is awesome. Thank you so much for that. Listeners, don't worry about writing any of this down. Just go to outcomesrocket.health slash M as in Mary M Ventures. And you're going to find all of the show notes as well as links to the Fountainhead, links to the companies that Mr. Kleiphaus talked to us about. And so just go there and check it out, outcomesrocket.health slash Ventures. Edward, before we conclude, I would love if you could just share a closing thought with the listeners and then the best place where they could get a hold of you. So the closing thought would be, and that is something, a quote that is very big on our wall here in Amsterdam, feel the fear and do it anyway. That is definitely a mantra of, of our team. In terms of contact details, feel free to email me at my first name, dot last name, at m-ventures.com. If that was too fast, please go to our website, www.m-adventures.com, and you'll find all the contact details there. Beautiful. Edward, this has been a blast. We, we really appreciate the insights that you shared with us, your passion for technology and healthcare, and, and we're really excited to keep up with you and the companies that you're working with. So keep up the great work, and let's stay in touch. Absolutely fantastic. Thanks for having me, and uh, this has been great fun. Thanks for tuning in to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast. If you want the show notes, inspiration, transcripts, and everything that we talked about on this episode, just go to outcomesrocket.health. And again, don't forget to check out the amazing Healthcare Thinkathon, where you can get together to form the blueprint for the future of healthcare. You can find more information on that and how to get involved in our theme, which is 
implementation is innovation. Just go to outcomesrocket.health slash conference. That's outcomesrocket.health slash conference. Be one of the 200 that will participate. Looking forward to seeing you there.